prayer is essentially spending time with the one who loves you the most. So, <laughs> I think we could all hang out there a little more, <laughs> maybe a little more consistently. And friends, this We Are Here series is that we might be present to the things God has. And the reason I know God has prayer in our future is because it's also been in our past. Jesus himself prayed, and he's inviting us to do more, to be more present. And it will only happen if you're open to it. If you come this morning open to hear from the Lord and open to respond, not content with learning new information, but rather being transformed by God and his words to us. Church, are you in? Oh, come on. See, the past two weeks we've been studying prayer. This is the third week. And the first week we talked about Paul's beautiful prayer in Ephesians chapter three. And in essence, talking about us knowing. Paul prays for Christians that we would know that we're really loved and that Jesus really wants to dwell with us. And when he does that, we can pray and he will do immeasurably more than we could ever ask and imagine. Last week, we talked about the real us praying to the real God and outlined how Paul talks in Ephesians 1 through 3 about who you really are and that you can be fully that and bring yourself fully to God. We've learned a lot from Paul. Friends, this week, we get to learn from Jesus on the topic because he speaks to his disciples when they ask. You see, in Luke chapter 11, his disciples approach Jesus and they had noticed that there was a difference between the way Jesus prayed and the way they prayed. So they did something really smart. You ready? They talked to Jesus about it. <laughs> and let's see what he has to say in response. Chapter 11 in the book of Luke starts like this. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us and lead us not into temptation. The disciples move toward Jesus and they ask for some prayer training. <laughs> and Jesus responds to their request. They approach Jesus in a certain posture, and that posture is this. And it's one that I struggle to relate to. The posture is this. I need to know more. Do you ever walk into a room and you don't quite understand what the conversation's going about, but you still do this face? Mm-hmm. Have you done it? You've done it, right? I don't know about you, but I don't like not knowing. <laughs> I don't like not being in the know, and I don't like admitting it. You know what I also don't like? I don't like coming across needy. <laughs> in fact, someone recently said, okay, maybe you don't want to be needy, but are you okay with the fact that you have needs? I said, I'm okay with the fact. I just don't plan on telling everyone, <laughs> except I just did. <laughs> Friends, how okay are you with being needy? How okay are you with these disciples' posture that, again, prompted a response from Jesus. And isn't that what we want in our prayers? 
But it starts with this posture of, I don't know everything and I need you. You see, because I fear that if we don't need him, we won't pray. It's when we remember that we need that leads us to his feet. And friends, I don't like being needy, I understand. You know what I also don't like? Being late, anyone else? <laughs> you know where I especially don't like being late? To the airport, has anyone ever had that feeling? Right? In fact, I remember it was probably about almost 10 years ago. I thought my flight was at one o'clock, right? One o'clock flight. And so I remember going to In N Out. You, you guys, you know what that is, right? I mean, never mind. I was at Portillo's. Huh? 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 No? Yeah, there I was. And uh, I, I was looking at my phone. And see, my mom's a flight attendant, and she always tells me, get to the airport two hours ahead. I'm like, for sure. Hour 15 is kind of my margin. And so I, you know, I'm looking at my phone. I'm like, my flight's at one, my flight's at one, my flight's at noon. Have you been there? Am I the only one that's been there? And so I'm like, let's get to the airport. My friend jumps in the car. We start driving. She didn't even pull over. I just rolled out of the, I'm kidding, but how cool would that have been? Right? So I get to the airport. I run up to the random kiosk. Boop, 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 and it basically tells me how late I am. I'm like, thanks for the reminder. So I run over to the random lady at the desk. I'm like, random lady at the desk. She's like, that's not my name. I'm like, okay. So here's the deal. I thought my flight was actually at one o'clock. My mom always tells me that I need to get there two hours in advance, but I'm like an hour and 15 timeout. Have you ever started giving someone details and you very quickly realize they just don't care? time in. So my mom's flight attendant, she's like, get there two hours. And I'm like, hour 15 is fine. And that's when I thought my flight was at one. Turns out it's at noon. Um, if you could just print my ticket, squeeze me through security. We can do this, you know? She goes, do you know what that sounds like? I said, no, I don't know what that sounds like. She says, that sounds like something you should have thought about two hours ago. <laughs> I know. I was like, well, that sounds mean. So, <laughs> and she continues with, you know what else? I said, I don't want to know what else, you know? And she says, I would love to see you try. I know. So I'm competitive. I mean, originally I'm like, I really want to make my flight. Now I'm like, I really want to prove mean lady wrong, right? So at this moment I'm like, okay, just print my ticket. She's like, what's your last name? At the time it was my maiden name, which is Fate. And I said, Fate, F-A-T-E. She's like, great, great, great. <clears throat> F, where is it? Mm -hmm. A. <laughs> T, and then there was an uncomfortable pause because then my last name would have been E, and then it's rip, hands me the ticket and says, good luck. So I got my bags and I began my run. You've been there, right? Have you guys seen the movie Home Alone? Exactly, right? So I am sprinting through the airport and inevitably it's one of those days where there's like a million people in line at TSA and I'm like, of course. So I also thought, I'm never gonna see these people again, right? So here we go. Attention everyone in line at TSA! 300 people are like, and I'm like, that worked because turns out no one does that. So here's the deal. I thought my flight was at one o'clock, but it's actually 12 o'clock. My mom always tells me I should get there too. I don't know what it is with the details, but I, you know, you know, I thought that if I, it could be a community effort. I can't do it alone. Who's with me? No one said anything until a nugget sized little girl gets through the crowd. She goes, I'm with you. I'm like, yeah. And I'm like, perfect. And her parents are like, why don't you? I'm like, I'm gonna. Yeah, thanks. I'm so, yeah, so. Within three minutes, I kid you not, I'm standing at the front of the security line, turning around to 300 strangers who were like, you got this. I'm like, what in the world just happened? Friends, long story short, that was already too long. 
I made my flight that day. Thank you. Wow, I'm, in, yeah, I'm inspired. Thank you. Wow. But the reason I bring it up is because that day I did something I very rarely do. And I'm not talking about screaming at strangers. Apparently that's normal. That day I asked for help. How good are you at asking for help? How good are you at not knowing it all? You may know that you don't, but how good are you at, at admitting it? Because, friends, I fear if we don't follow the posture of the disciples of Jesus, who are merely following the posture of Jesus himself, friends, we will not pray and we will continue to carry the burden we were never meant to carry. I know life feels heavy and impossible. Yes, it is impossible alone. But, friends, you don't have to be alone. In fact, the, the disciples approach Jesus and they request prayer training. Jesus responds. But this isn't just the first time they saw him pray. In fact, Luke records many instances. Let's look, take a journey to see what the disciples saw so that we might follow their lead as they followed his. And the journey through Luke with Jesus' prayer life began in Luke chapter 3, verse 21. See, in chapter 3, verse 21 was Jesus' baptisms. Jesus' baptism in the river. In fact, it begins like this. Chapter 3, verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. And as he was praying, heaven was opened and the Holy Spirit descended on him like a dove in bodily form. And a voice came from heaven saying, you are my son. Whom I love, with you I am well pleased. By the way, the context of this passage is interesting. Because see, up to Luke chapter 3, Jesus had not begun his public ministry. So these words are really profound. You see, Jesus receives the words of identity. You're my child. You belong. And then he receives the words of worth. You are loved right there. Right there. There you are loved. And even a position, I'm already pleased with you before you do anything for me. Do you long to hear these words from your heavenly father? Hey, you're loved. You're my child. I'm already pleased with you. If you long to hear these words, Jesus received them as he was praying. And you can too. You can receive your identity and your belonging and your position in prayer and intimacy with the Father. And the reason we must is because if we don't receive it from him, we're going to search for it from someone else. And spouses make crummy gods. And so do jobs. And so do anything else we search to find our identity, our worth from. Jesus received it as he was praying, and it wasn't just for the moment. You see, chapter three is the chapter right before chapter four when Jesus moves from the river into the wilderness himself. Don't think Jesus doesn't understand. He's been there too. He was equipped for the future as he was praying. It wasn't just for the moment. Do you have fear and anxiety when it comes to the future? Jesus received not only preparation for the moment, but preparation for the future as he prayed. The one we follow after modeled a perfect posture before his heavenly father. Why don't we pray? Maybe for you it's 
It's just that you're distracted <laughs> and you forget. You just forget, you kind of just get through life. Jesus understands that one too. Chapter five, starting in verse 15, says this, yet the news about him who Jesus spread. And what happened in response? The crowds of people came to hear him. Can you imagine the expectations of other people? Some of you go, yes, actually, I can. Lots of people have lots of expectations of me. Yes, Jesus did too. And here's what he did in response to people's expectations of him. They came as a crowd to hear him and to be healed of their sicknesses. They came, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. What do you do often when anxiety comes? What do you do in the midst of busyness? What do you do in the distractions? Do you just get through it? Jesus models a perfect posture of prayer. He often withdrew to lonely places. See, pleasing God trumped pleasing people for Jesus. In fact, we must prioritize intimacy with our Heavenly Father because the truth is no one will prioritize it for you. But what about, maybe you're in a season of um, trial. Even as I say that word, you go, you have no idea how heavy it is. Oh, friends, he understands. I may not, but man, he does. And this is how he responds in chapter six, walking through a dark season. In fact, verse 11 gives us some context. See, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were furious with him and began to discuss with one another what they might do to Jesus. What does Jesus do? Well, one of those days, and some of you go, I know those days because those days are these days. <laughs> On one of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray, and he even spent the night praying to God. Prayer is where Jesus found Dallas Willard is a philosopher and a theologian, and he would study the life of Jesus and how we can become more like Jesus. And when he was asked to describe Jesus with one word, do you want to know the word he chose? This, relaxed. Would people say that of you? They could. Can you even, ima can you even imagine just being relaxed? <laughs> Oh, he models the perfect life. And do you want to know what he depended on? Intimacy with the Father. And things just kind of kept getting a little worse. In fact, the prayer didn't just make things better. And I don't know about you, but sometimes I pray for circumstances to change in my prayers, yes? Not that that's bad. Jesus invites us to bring all of what we're going through. But the truth is, the prayers that we have modeled through Paul and through Jesus, neither of them pray specifically for circumstances to change. They pray for a hope for a circumstance to maybe be a little different. They don't say, just remove me in this moment. Yes, Jesus said, your will be done. Here's my request. Friends, Jesus prayed in every single season. Was it hard? Yes. Were things changing? Could he have been distracted? Absolutely. He understands and his response was prayer. Chapter 9, verse 18, it continues. Once when Jesus was praying in private. Where did Jesus pray? Private. Because what you do in private places is what equips you for the public spaces. Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. See, friends, I have a feeling you already know this, but would you hear the words of our Father saying, pray 
I invite you, I welcome you to deeper intimacy. I know that that's what your heart longs for. And I know you could settle for a tip, a quick uh, tap on Instagram for some sort of connection. But friends, there's a connection that's eternal and goes much deeper. (laughs) And it's available. We just need to say yes. And the good news is, when we follow Jesus' lead with his posture and dependency on the Father, when we do as Jesus did, we will get to have what Jesus had. And what did Jesus have? He had a perfect, intimate relationship with his heavenly Father. In fact, when the disciples come to him in chapter 11 and say, we've watched you pray in every single season, and it hasn't necessarily made things better, but you've been relaxed the whole time. When they come to him and say, how do we pray? Jesus says, great, great, great. You have to start like this. Father. And I love that he, he even models for us prayer. And isn't it interesting? Our focus can be all over the place. And what does prayer do? What does prayer do? It does this. It starts with him. It takes your focus from whatever you're talking about, whatever you're thinking about, whatever you're overwhelmed by, and it goes like this. Him. It shifts our focus immediately. But he says, make sure it's Father. It could be a lot of other things. In fact, there's other prayers throughout all of scripture with a lot of different titles. But when Jesus instructs us, he says, Father, why? See, he could have said, King. Is that true? Yes. He could have said, when you pray, say, King of King, Lord of Lords. Or how about Almighty God? Or any sort of other title that is absolutely true about God. But why did he say, Father? Here's why. The reason he says, Father, is because... When we approach him as father, we get to approach him as kids. If we approached him as king, that would make us a servant or a slave to the king. And he says, I don't want your prayers to be defined by a duty. I want it to be defined by a personal and intimate relationship. In fact, do the words personal and intimate define your prayers? They can He says, start with Father, because I don't want your prayer life to become a, I should pray more. In fact, Dallas Willard also said this. He said, the true measure of your spiritual disciplines is how you feel after you don't do them. Do you feel guilty or do you feel thirsty? See, friends, he invites us to pray to encounter God as his child intimately, We don't pray to serve him as a duty. This came to fruition for me, watching my husband with my little boy. Every time my little four-year-old does something kind of off the wall, I've tried to create a habit of asking the Lord, stepping back and asking the Lord, okay, God, what do you want to teach me about being a kid? Because I can see from a parent's perspective for just a glimpse. And I want to know his perspective of me. So I step back. And each time I have these little moments, I always step back and go, God, what do you want to teach me about being a child? As an imperfect child or maybe as a child like Faith? And he teaches me all the time. In fact, this happened recently when me and my husband were going to have one of those productive Saturdays. Do you know what I mean? Have you ever had that? You wake up on a Saturday, you're like, you know what I want to do? Tackle the garage, Right? Have you had it? (laughs) It's not very often, but man, when it does, it's like, yeah, with all this energy, you know what I want to do? Hang out in the hot garage and, you know, clean it. It was one of those days where I'm gearing up for the day, and I look to my husband, I'm like, okay, so what do we need to do around the house? He goes, but first, what do you think you really need? (laughs) And I'm like, my husband that asks me that, thanks. You know, (laughs) 
And he says, but what do you need? I said, honestly, I think I just need rest. He said, then why don't you be productive in that rest? I'm like, I will. <laughs> I was like, and what are you going to do? Do you need rest? He goes, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take out the trash. I'm like, yeah, you will. You know, and so... <laughs> He even got out a hammock. So here I am laying on my hammock, being productive in my rest. <laughs> and my husband got the trash cans, right? And he was really, it was one of those productive days. And so he just started to grab the first trash can. He's like, oh, thank you. And so he just started. And he's even like moving fast. And I'm being productive too. And so he would get the first one. I remember he dropped off the first one. He waves at me and I'm like, you know, and he continues on to go get the second one. He has hustling and he gets the second one. It was right about here that he felt it. Just the littlest of tugs. Who do you think it was? My little boy. No, I'm in the hammock, remember? Okay. And you know what my husband did? It was so cute. He lowered it. And my little guy and him both put their little paws on it, right? And they just start walking. It was so cute, okay? You want to know, know what I did? I did this. <laughs> this is actually what I said. They're having this sweet moment. I went like this. Okay, got it. <laughs> My husband was unfazed. I'm like, no, I got it. You can, productive day, <laughs> productive day. And watching the two of them just enjoy each other. My little guy, when he started the conversation, my little guy went, help. <laughs> my husband's like, join me. It seemed a little bit unproductive because he could have done it on his own. Did you know that God could do it all on his own? But did you know that he cares far more about your relationship with him than your productivity for him? Did you know that? That he takes what he's up to, he lowers it down, he says, come on in. Would you join me? Oh, by the way, you can't do it by yourself. Can you imagine my little boy trying to take out the trash by himself? It would have been a mess, and friends, I'm here to deliver this truth. Some of you have been trying to do the crazy things and he's instructed for you to do, and you're trying to do it alone, and it's a mess. You're overwhelmed, you're tired, you're busy, you're distracted, you're the opposite of relaxed. And God is inviting you in, saying, I see you. I'm lowering the handlebars of what I'm up to, and I'm saying, would, he's saying, would you join me? It's really exciting. It's bigger than you can imagine, but you don't have to do it alone. Stop, church. Stop doing it alone. Stop parenting alone. Stop going to work alone. Stop trying to love everyone in your family that has these expectations alone. He says, follow me, do what Jesus did. When you do, you'll have what Jesus had, a relationship that was fully satisfying of every need. You don't have to do it alone. Stop even serving God alone. You don't have to do it alone. In fact, you can't, which is why Jesus says, when you pray, say, Father. Because when you do what Jesus does, you get to have what Jesus had. And when you embrace that intimacy with the Father, your desires begin to change. And you might even authentically pray the next two lines, which say this. Father, hallowed be your name. The focus of your prayer becomes, make your name great, not mine. And that's a hard thing to pray. 
And then he says, your kingdom come, which is the direct opposite of my kingdom coming, my kingdom being built up. In fact, who's at the center of your prayers? Is it his kingdom or is it yours? Is it his kingdom or is it your comfort? In fact, let me say this. If Jesus happened to say yes to every single prayer you've ever prayed, would your life be more comfortable or would God be more glorified? It's time to shift our prayers, but it will only happen when we commit and dis- dis- discipline ourselves to do as Jesus did. Because when you do what Jesus did, you begin to have what Jesus had, intimacy with the Father. And when you are intimate with the Father, you start to care about the things he cares about. And he cares a lot more about his plans than your comfort. It's hard to admit these things. It's hard. Because I know we want to be fully healed one day. Yes. In the meantime, he's in it with you. Don't do this life alone, Father. Make your name great. Do whatever you have to. Make your name great. Oh, and make your kingdom come even through the hard season of my life. Put your kingdom on your display. Put your love on display. Put your forgiveness on display. Put your grace on display. Put your power on display. Because I can't do this alone, but if you show up, your power's on display. Wow. I hear you. (laughs) But here's what I love. See, the, the prayer is divided into two parts. First, makes three petitions about God, then three petitions about us and our needs. See, our, prayer, our prayers are not meant to give God our agenda, but rather to align with his agenda and then to bring our needs before him. And what are our needs? He says, give us this day our daily bread. Give us provision. Provide what we need today. I'm not gonna fear tomorrow. Provide what I need today. And I've also learned it's really important to pray specific prayers. Why? Because you don't get to the end of the day and say, man, you answered that. You made it a great day. How generic. (laughs) But man, when you pray specific prayers, you can find specific answers. Give us today. What do you need today? Pray for it and then look for it and then celebrate it when it's found. Give us today our daily bread. And friends, while God provides a lot, he provides food, he provides water, he provides friendship, he provides a church. He provides his reward. He provides all these things. But here's what I believe as I prayed through this message for you. I believe what you need more than absolutely anything, the provision you need for today is this, that your personal and intimate relationship with Jesus is what you need more than anything else. Your personal intimate relationship with Jesus is more important than anything else you have on your plate. Therefore, it is time, church, to be aggressively selfish with our intimacy with the Lord. We must because no one will prioritize it for us. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our sins. We miss it. And he also couples it, almost frustratingly, he couples it with not just receive forgiveness, but give it away as freely as it's been given to you. Ugh. But they don't deserve it, neither do we. And the more you realize his undeserved grace and love, the more you realize how much you don't deserve it, make me aware just so I can love people in a way they don't deserve it because I finally acknowledge God I never did. If we add up the sum total of all we've ever done, we still don't deserve it. But he gives it away, God forgive us and be specific. 
there are certain things in your life that you simply cannot let go of. You have not received his forgiveness. Would you receive it and see God's power? It will make his name great on your mouth. It'll make his power on display in your life and your freedom. And then forgive others. My friend Mike Foster said this very simply, forgive them, all of your thems. <laughs> in fact, the more thems you forgive, the lighter you'll feel. Can I tell you what bitterness and unforgiveness does? Bitterness and unforgiveness is like drinking poison and hoping they suffer. And hoping they, you see, we think that by not forgiving that they're the ones that are being harmed. They're the ones that are getting the raw end of the deal. And friends, it's us. That's why Jesus says, when you pray, Father, hallowed be your name. Make it great. Make your kingdom come. Give us what we need. Forgive us and help us to forgive others. It's hard. You can't do that alone. Nothing in us human wants to just give away something someone doesn't deserve. That's why we need them and lead us not into temptation. See, Christian leaders are followers first. When we do as Jesus did, which is pray in every season, when you do as Jesus did, which might require discipline, which might require alarms set on your phone, I have reminders that text me every day of the week to pray for a certain thing. I just know myself. Friends, when you do as Jesus did, you'll begin to have what Jesus had, intimate and personal relationship with the Father. And as you have what Jesus had, you will begin to want what Jesus wants, his kingdom to come, his glory, his name being made great and our needs being satisfied. But church, here's what I love about this series. We're not just a church that goes, mm, I agree, and then you walk out unchanged. What a mess. Oh, friends, we get to practice what I preach. <laughs> and we're gonna do something a little crazy. Why? Because we can. And right now your hearts are, I know, it's fine. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna walk through four seasons Four environments, circumstantially, that Jesus himself walked through. He modeled it for us. We can't merely agree with the message. We must say yes and follow his lead. So what's going to happen is I'm going to explain the four seasons Jesus went through, and then one by one, we're going to label it, and I want you to see which one you can relate to that defines your current circumstance. Which of the four circumstances? And you're going to actually stand twice. First, you're going to stand in your season, and you're going to extend your hands and be opened would you just, I wish, I wish. And so I even want to pray, Lord, would you just open us, especially those of us who are closed in this moment, would you just open us? We're going to open our hands and be open to receive prayer. From who? Great. Second reason you're going to stand is to pray for someone else. Because here at Willow, we don't stand alone. And so what's going to happen is I'm going to explain the seasons, and then one by one I'm going to say them, and then you're going to stand. And then here's what I love. People are going to just move towards you. How? Because we are the body of Christ. And what do I know about Christ? He moves toward us in our need because we need him in every season. Here's the four environments he walked through. First, there was the baptism, the rivers of change. Some of you, you look at your life and you go, yeah, yeah everything's changing. <laughs> and you may have one of two perspectives about change. Maybe change for you is exciting. You've been waiting for change, for something new. But some of you, you hate it. Change is scary. It's like going to take a step and not knowing where the next step's gonna lie. Some of you... Although you may find yourself in a lot of these seasons, the one you relate most to is 
change, the rivers of change. The second environment Jesus walked through is just after he was baptized, he walked into the wilderness. Words I would use to describe a wilderness season are this. Dry. Maybe even weary. Empty. Maybe there's temptation or you're hungry or you're thirsty. It could mean a lot of different things for you, but this is a hard season. And church, it'd be silly for you to come in and agree, Jesus prayed then and not give you the chance to pray there too and be prayed for by Jesus through his body. (laughs) That's the wilderness. The third environment was he went back into the town and things were busy. People were distracted. We'll call that one the the busy city. Maybe in the midst of what you're going through, everything just feels blurry like that picture. It's just, I'm just moving. Everything's moving so fast. Kids are growing up. I have so many responsibilities, so many things happening. I feel like I'm just distracted. I'm never present with my family. And maybe not, it's hard to focus on one thing. And then when I get home, I'm just tired and I don't have the energy. You just feel like things are busy and you're tired and distracted. By the way, these seasons are not necessarily a result of our choices. Some of them are just circumstantial. How do I know that? Because Jesus walked through all of them. And the fourth one is the mountaintop. This is a surprising season of life, but one that if we don't articulate it or acknowledge it, you'll miss it. What the mountaintop is, is a good season. I had a friend who was, we were having a conversation she started searching for, but something has to be going wrong. And I said, no, it's a gift. Would you open it? Open the gift of the good. Friends, although you could be standing in every single season, I'm just gonna ask that you choose to stand in one. And as crazy as it is to show the same posture the disciples showed and Jesus showed through his entire life, openness for whatever God might have. What'll happen is you'll stand and then people will move towards you, possibly lay hands on you and begin to pray. And then I'll pray the Lord's Prayer over all of us. And then we'll sit and I'll go to the next season. So again... Choose one to stand in that you're in, and when you do, open yourself physically, emotionally, spiritually, open yourself. And then secondly, choose to stand with someone. Can I tell you the past two services, there's been moments I've watched people hustle towards other people. It's so beautiful, and it looks just like the church God intended. When we, even though it's uncomfortable, we step over aisles to make sure no one's alone. I know you don't want to feel alone, neither do they. Let's get a little uncomfortable for God to be glorified, for his name to be made great, and our needs to be met in Christ. So friends, we're gonna stand together. But first, if you would say, the way I would describe this circumstantial season of my life is change. Would you stand to your feet? Beautiful. And as you do, would you open your hands? And imagine yourself just opening yourself up. Okay, things are changing. And if you're up for it, Would you move toward these people? Stand up, move in their direction. Make sure absolutely no one is standing alone. If you're still remaining seated, maybe just extend a hand in someone's direction. Friends, this is us saying yes. Let's begin to pray for one another.
Father, I thank you that although seasons change, you are constant. I thank you, I thank you, God, that you are doing new things and not letting us be content with the old things you did. Father, may your name be made great in this season. May your kingdom come in new ways and may we acknowledge them. Father, give them precisely what they need for today in the change. Would you forgive them, Father? Would you forgive them and cleanse them and make them pure white as snow for specific things? And if there are specific things they need to forgive, specific people, would they do that now? Would your power be on display? And Father, lead them not into temptation. We love you, Father. I love you, God. And all God's children said, amen. You can have a seat unless you resonate with the next season, which is the wilderness. I recognize this is a hard season, so as you see people standing, you can begin moving in their direction. If you would say, this is me, I'm in the wilderness season. Here's what I love, right now the church gets to be the church. Would we move and get up out of our seats and move towards people in the wilderness season? Let's just surround them. Let's overwhelm them, not with circumstance, but with presence. Let's overwhelm them with community. Let's overwhelm them with love. In a dry season, let's overwhelm them with living water that dwells within us, that wants to overflow through us because we are so loved and abundant. This is not an easy place. Extend a hand if you're still seated in a direction. Be mindful, be thoughtful, stay present. And let's begin to pray for our friends in wilderness season. Father, hallowed be thy name, even here. May your kingdom come, and could we just have a glimpse of it here? Would you give us what we need? We need from you in this season, so Lord, would you give us today what we need, even in this instant? Would you give us what we need? And forgive us, Father. Would you forgive the people in this room, Lord, who feel like the reason they're in this season is because of some bad choices? I pray you would just forgive and free, forgive and free. And Lord, help them to forgive others, especially if others are the reason we feel like we're in this season. Help us to forgive. It feels impossible, Lord, but by your grace, by your presence, by your power, help us receive your forgiveness and give it away. And lead us, Lord, not into temptation. In fact, deliver us from the evil one. We love you and all God's children said, amen. You can grab a seat. Friends, what I love about all these seasons, we're gonna go into busy city, but what I love about all these seasons is God is in every single season. And friends, we will not be in every season. We will not be in that season for forever. 
But God has something for us in every season. If you're in the busy city, would you stand to your feet? And I'm just gonna create some space and people are gonna start moving towards you, but I just wanna create some space, especially for the busy city, as we just keep wandering and running. And right now, I just wanna create some space for being still. So if you'd open your hands and just hang out and be present as people pray with you, but be present here with your Father. So Heavenly Father, I bring these people into your presence. Have your way. Help us to focus right now on your name. Almighty God, King of Kings, Shepherd, Father. And Lord, would your kingdom come? Would we see it? Would we slow down enough to see it and give thanks for it? God, would we, even now, would you give us a picture of what you might be up to? Would you give us each day precisely what we need? Help us with our minds. Help, we need help with our minds. Would you forgive us? Forgive us for the ways we distract ourselves. And also help us to forgive others. The specific other that we're thinking of, help us to forgive them. And lead us not into temptation to think that we can run and do it all. Lord, we need your help and we're thankful that you care and that you're here. We pray and all God's children said, amen. And the last one is the mountaintop season. Friends, I want you to stand because what I love about church is that we get to be beside each other carrying burdens, but guess what we also get to be? We get to celebrate each other in the good. My dad is wonderful. My, not my, my heavenly father is, yes, but my actual dad is really wonderful. And one of my favorite things about my dad is he's the safe place for me to do two things. Number one, cry, and he just holds. But the second thing about my dad is he's the place I can kind of brag because he just loves it. And friends, he's given you this gift The temptation, I believe, is to believe we got here on our own. Nope. (laughs) But it's really good. In fact, there's people around you that go, I long for that. And friends, what that means is people need your joy. The people around you need your energy. (laughs) They may need your time. They may need a sample of what that good is. In fact, people are now going to huddle around. Would we stand up and move toward these people and say, yes, Lord, we see that all good things come from you. And good seasons we celebrate. Church, we get to celebrate good things. So let's do that together. Father, we thank you for being a father that gives good things. Hallowed be thy name. Would your name be on our lips? Each time people recognize the good things, would we give you the credit? Would we say your name a lot? I pray that the name of Jesus would be just declared. Yes, things are good. Jesus is good. He's also good in the bad, but right now he's revealing and showing off in the now. Would your name be made great? And would your kingdom come? Would we take the energy and the good and give it away in ways that are sacrificial because it would look like you? Father, we just really say thank you. 
A lot of us long to be in the good, the good circumstances. In the meantime, we celebrate our friends. We celebrate the good that you've given. Lord, would you give us today what we need? Would we not get so distracted by the good that we miss you? Forgive us of our sins. Help us to forgive others. Help us to forgive others and lead us not into temptation. God, we thank you. Thank you for being in every season. And all God's children said, friends. It is so, it is so good. Why don't you all stand? Why don't we all stand together? It is so good to be the church. The church that doesn't have to stand alone. The church that's not ashamed of the season that we're in. The church that celebrates other people. The church that goes through a desert and still trusts the Lord. The church that walks into new things and gives God all the credit. This is us and this is here. And this is our future. See, our God could do it all alone. But he goes, hey, I want you to be the prayer team. We will have the prayer team up here in a second. Steve will tell you about it. But I want you to be the prayer team. Why? Because a lot of people aren't showing up here. But you're showing up there. You're going to work. God's taking what he's up to, lowering it down and saying, come on. I'm up to something, even in the wilderness. I'm there. I'm up to something. Will you join me? But just know, just know, you cannot do it alone and you don't have to. Oh, friends. Jesus, the name of Jesus has made a way that we might have a personal and intimate relationship with the Father who's pursuing you and who's ready. How will you respond this week? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you yet again. Yet again. We ask for more of you. And all God's children said...